0: Hey everybody, it's Angela Ardellino with Your Natural Dog and I am thrilled about my guest today. It's Dr. Connor Brady. He's the author of Feeding Dogs and has, this is a book that every pet parent should have and every pet parent should have and share with their veterinarian if they are not a believer in real, feeding your dog real or fresh food. But my favorite thing about my guest today is that he reminds me of myself where he learned what animals dogs specifically needed nutritionally and you know has a doctorate in studying the effects of nutrition on the behavior and gut morphology of mammals yet nobody believed him so he literally got involved and and did his own research and proved that he worked he was a guide dog trainer and switched the dogs over to a raw fresh diet and watched It was a nonprofit organization and watched their vet bills go down 80% when we were supporting our dog's immune system and gut microbiome by feeding them a real diet of real food, free of preservatives and carbohydrates. So, you know, a lot of people are, you know, worried about feeding their pets raw or fresh because they think it's going to be more expensive when they don't realize it's going to save them so much money, you know, when that dog... Gets to be two, three, four, and then into his senior years, you're going to have much less issues, much less disease. So it's an awesome conversation where we talk about not only the pet food industry, why what we have to buy our dogs in a grocery store is just not good for them, and what we can do to help our dogs uh, transition, why it's so important. So join me today. It's going to be so fun. Dr. Connor Brady today. Hey, everybody. We're back with Angela Ardolino and your natural dog and my guest, Dr. Connor Brady. Thank you so much for being here today. I am freaking thrilled to have <laughs> you on the show today. And I want to tell you why. We've already, I've already told my audience all about you, so you don't have to repeat who you are and where you came from because I already told them already. But what I love is that you're such an inspiration to me because I feel like I am you 10 years ago. Okay. And where I start, where, you know, back in 2016, I got into cannabis, studied it, learned all about it, started to apply it. And then nobody believes you, and everybody wants research, but nobody's doing the research. Yeah. And you went out and did your own research.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you proved
0: what you learned. Yeah. And, but it's 10 years later and now you have a book.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is horrible when you're trying to uh, when you're trying to tell them the truth, you know. So explain
0: that because I I feel a kismet with you because I feel like you're like okay, I've proved it. Now how do I get that out? That message out? How do I get it into the hands of veterinarians because as we know, veterinarians aren't taught about nutrition and yes. diet. Yeah. And that's where most pet parents turn to to get that information and they're recommending a science diet, which is not based on science at all. No. Help our listeners kind of understand that a little bit.
1: uh look, it, it's actually very topical what you're asking there because, you know, I, I started writing it ten years ago. I, I quit my job in guide dogs. They they wouldn't see the light. You know, we had we had just seen a, a rival guide dog organization change two hundred dogs from dry to raw. And I'm reading this report, and it's like 80% drop in veterinary bills for a charity. 80%,
0: 80% drop in vet bills. I'll send you the and, news
1: clip to share with your listeners later, yeah.
0: And that's what listeners don't understand is that, mm. you know, they go, well, I don't understand. My dog seems fine. Your dog's not fine. If your mm. dog is itching yeah, and has ear infections and yeah. poop isn't well, your dog isn't okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. This was for recurring skin, ear, and gut conditions, orthopedic surgery, and consult. But it's the top... 80, 90% of your bill. if you're if you're a training organization. But they also branded their own food. Look, it was just such a huge obvious thing for me. I was already kind of lecturing on it, and that was supposed to be in my role. And I take it back to my superiors, they don't believe me, and the vets particularly. So I got in a big huff, and I just said, look, guys, you're supposed to be scientists, you know, so just don't tell me I'm lying, you know, look at what they're doing and and, and try it and just see what happens. You know, let's take our dogs on steroids, seven out of 18 of the dogs I was working with were on non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, just casual use. Imagine that in a schoolroom, as if, like, it's normal for kids to be on these drugs. So, you know, they wouldn't listen to me. Anyway, 10 years later, I get the book out, I go back to research and Long lonely nights in my room till four o'clock in the morning, kind of thing. I love it, but you know, it is a, it's a, it's a tough old process doing that sort of work. I get the book out, and just as you just said there, um, they, they first of all spend those ten years saying, "Where's the evidence? Where's the evidence? Where's the science?" And so we have to prove what they've done is wrong. So they've left this very strange position, feeding this ridiculous product made by candy companies, and then I have to prove what they're doing is wrong. For it to make sense of them. But it's not that's not really the goal. Really, it should have been, you know, you should have leapt there on the back of some good science. What studies did you read that convinced you ultra-high carbohydrate diets was good for a meat eater? Anyway, the problem is the book is now written, but are they reading it? No. So we have we have a bit of an issue here where we are with various kind of ideas where we're getting that book into hands of young veterinary students and getting some uh, plans in place that they can pick it up. And all that. So you can spend your time beating your head against the veterinary wall. But I do firmly believe that all revolutions come from the ground up. So as uh, as Morrison said, they've got the guns, but we've got the numbers. So when people just start seeing the truth and buying raw, 20% of the UK market now is feeding raw dog food. Suddenly, vets are now becoming inundated with people saying, you know, don't call me crazy for this diet. I want to work with you, vet. But if you st- you continue on treating me like a fool. I'm not going to sponsor you anymore. I'm not going to spend money with you. And you vote with your feet and you go to the vet that does support you. And suddenly the vets are forced to pay attention and spend two hours, you know, 15 minutes. And they would have some of the answers they needed. But um, so I think it's kind of, it, it, it will the, the change will be kind of forced upon them. And then hopefully my book too. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, I'm so happy that you did it. And the reason that your book is so important is because it does take 10 years.
1: Yeah you know uh,
0: if someone told you that 10 years ago you'd have been like screw that but it does take and now no one can deny it and we're going to take our book and make sure it gets in everybody's hands and that that. everybody reads it because it's true and what the industry will do is be forced to change and figure out a new way to manipulate us and lie to us but i think what's crazy is, um, when I got in, especially when I started this podcast, I didn't think I'd be talking so much about food, but food and the pharmaceutical industry are both doing the same things to us and they're making us dependent on them and they're feeding into each other. And, you know, these big Mars and uh, Colgate that own these big companies now in the United States own the hospital. Yeah. They own the drug. Yeah. They own the insurance plan. Yeah. They own every mm. poison thing that happens to your dog. So they make it so easy and convenient and cheap for you to buy the toxins that you put on your dog and yeah. to feed your dog. And then here's, I don't know if you know this about me, I've got two uh, brick and mortar shops. Yeah. So we only sell the good food and are constantly saying to the person, you know, just incorporate real food. Yeah. But I think the easiest way for us to do it is if what's funny is that even those of us who know that we're in charge of our own health and our family's health and our pet's health, still don't make the correlation of what works for us as human beings also works for our pets.
1: Yeah, I think think fear really is the biggest motivator. This industry is only going one way. I think dry food sales for the first time ever fell in volume in 2013. And since then, it's slipping down. And natural pet food is 50% of the US market. Grain-free is dominating. So you can see a couple of little attacks on that. And I'm going to freeze
0: you there for a minute. I want the audience to understand that when that happens, means they go even harder. So that's when you go into your grocery store and you're going to start seeing things like Fresh Pet, which is so far from being fresh and real food. But they understand the trend is is that people are getting away from kibble and they're going this way. So now they need to make a new shitty food for you to buy because they know that that's the way the trend is going. So you have to educate yourself. And this book is the easiest way to do it. And if you just want to skip to the last chapter to figure out what to do because he's going to tell you all the research, why it's done the certain way, I feel like copying your model for a cannabis book.
1: Yeah, there you go. They (laughs) want to see, like, there is a lot of nutrition books out there, and there's been a lot of recipe books. But, like, I was really gearing it towards the raw nerds, towards Angela and the people listening to this podcast, people that want the info. And so that's not all the market. A lot of the market just want the right answer. And, uh, like I said, there's a lot of fear. So fear keeps people selecting the product. They think that if they don't feel the dog you know, the right amount of manganese, his butt will fall off or something. And it's like, you know, you can do it. This is just a fear that they induce into the market via the veterinary industry, which they own, as you said. Uh, Mars has 50,000 vets on the books. Can you believe that? They own, in the US, they own Antech, Banfield, they own all the diagnostics, huge amounts of hospitals,
0: have you ever been into a, a vet school here in the United States?
1: No, well, it's the exact same plan over here. Walls walk, are
0: lined with all their posters, yeah. that all the students get free food or very discounted food.
1: Yeah, yeah. Brainwashing. So like the, the, yeah, the fear fear is a great one because they can't talk about nutrition. So they can't enter a nutritional conversation. They used to be able to say things like, well, carbs are an excellent source of energy. And I'll go, well, so are Mars bars and Coca-Cola. What's the point? You know, as it's, it's suitable long term in the face of this obesity and cancer crisis and pancreatitis and all these other things are linked to high carb diets so they can't talk about those things so they talk about fear fear of hazardous microbiology everyone's terrified of microbiology oh a lot of fear there and um, getting a bit topical there but it is great motivator to get you to buy stuff and so fear 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 keeps you and the vet reaching for that Picture of your dog, and you feed this on Tuesdays. If he turns left more than right, and people thinking that a Labrador is completely different to a retriever, you know it's just such nonsense.
0: And their doctor, and their vet, is telling them that.
1: Yeah, that's it. And who are you to, to disagree with a vet? And it's hard, even when you do learn the information, it's very hard for people to stand there in front of a vet who has, you know, oodles of uh, more kind of science behind them. They're wearing a white jacket, after all. It's hard for you to stand there and go, "No, you're wrong. I'm right." It's very difficult. It's 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 hard with a GP. You know, it's it's hard to say. That these things uh, even though you know you're right because you can be easily pulled aside by some scientific statement that they make and you go yeah well that's just not what i'm seeing you know so it takes a while, but that's why I think spending time thinking about and stressing about and arguing with a vet it isn't good, particularly if you're bringing science, because their position isn't based in science. So you bringing science is not going to make a damn bit of difference to them because they're going to be trusting the science, in inadvertent commas. And as soon as you make a valid point, it swerve off to the, oh, how do you know you'll get the balance right? You make a point there, swerve off to, oh, well, isn't raw dangerous? And you go, you're just fighting people in the dark. It's just ridiculous. So... Daniel, you'll find a vet that, that works with you. They're, they are growing in numbers and you just find the vet that supports you. Zoom, the one good thing that's come out of this pandemic is that there's a lot of natural vets on Zoom and you can chat to them for 10 or 15 minutes. Can
0: people do consults with you?
1: Yeah, that people do consults with us all the time. Yeah, and we're taking on two new people now in January, and
0: we're doing the same thing.
1: Yeah, it's so good, um, but it, it can be um, it can be quite difficult sometimes because when people come to raw, fifty percent of the new clients to raw are people with health conditions, and those people have probably been through two or three vets, a lot of conventional meds, a lot of different foods. Their guts can be in bits. So you get these really troubling cases and it's like, bloody hell, it's hard work. You know, it can be quite relentless, but you get a lot of them right. And it's, it's Right, because it, you have reward. to
0: almost detox the dog. That's it, yeah. From everything.
1: And the client. Scrub out their brain, you know, and it's kind of right. like everything you've heard is uh, anything in a packet we need to avoid for a while. And let's just get very simple with this dog and find out what the problem is. It's very easy advice, really, when, when you get into it, but people do need to be um, brought back from the edge of this kind of product driven, focus on the symptoms, repress the symptoms, keep turning off the smoke alarms until you are desperately ill. Until
0: you have no system anymore to help. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So So, focusing on the cause is the problem. Tell
0: our audience, why are there so many carbs in that bag of dog food? We know why they're not good. Yeah. Uh, Carbohydrates turn into sugar. Yeah. Sugar is Awful causes inflammation, feeds cancer. Yeah, and so we don't want. Why is our dog food filled with carbohydrates?
1: Well, I think everybody knows the answer to that deep down, and the answer is purely uh is money. It's profit. It increases cheap. the value. Yeah, cheap, cheap, cheap cereal, particularly the cereal used in pet food, which you don't even have to transport
0: correctly. You can just. I have love that open you call trucks. it cereal. I yeah. love that yeah it could. because that's how we tell people i'm like a shitty bag of kibble is like us eating captain crunch every single yeah. day with no milk yeah and maybe it. a good one is eating cheerios which you know is filled with glyphosate so i don't even know if that's a good yeah.
1: example well like it's the cheerios i'm like I, I can't i'm never going to name brands but i'll happily let you do it but yeah uh, all day you, long <laughs> i will <laughs> yeah, i ain't scared so... <laughs> okay i am slightly but um so like if you look at a multicolored cereal you know this thing looks almost like a pea and it's like if you want to give your dog a pee give him a pee why are you feeding food like objects this is shaped like a bone but crucially it's not a bone it's as hard as a bone it's flavoured like a bone Uh, and it's supposed to do the same thing only bones are free and nutritious and you can't have them so we should feed these ugh you could go on so yeah look the carbohydrate thing is purely a, a money making thing and um it's it's the best foods. Dry foods realize this, and they they don't they no longer spin much guff about it. They say it might be important for energy. Sled dogs perform better without uh, carbohydrates, so there goes that myth. And uh, so working dogs do better the more protein you feed them because they're protein and fat eaters. So generally, the dry food companies are trying to swerve now, and well, we don't use wheat and corn, like the worst of carbs you could possibly use. We use uh, sweet potato and peas. It's still a we're huge grain amount free. Of, right? Yeah, it's still a huge amount of carbohydrates though, so it doesn't really matter to your gut as long as that has been processed and ready to go that just turns the sugar and insulin which is the problem instantly so it, the grain free is one tiny step forward to get away from wheat and corn and stuff but my god it's not a huge step you're on the you're on the ladder but not much of one um so yeah i think co- companies are trying to include more meat in their dry foods now but the problem is it's ultra processed meat denatured me so you could move to these meaty dry foods is that a good idea that we eat huge amounts of cooked meat that's been ultra processed in extrusion cooking so we don't know so yes they work as a stopgap to lead people up the path and go look maybe you can add in some real bits to the bowl or you know you can move to our meatier dry food but ultimately when you start teaching them you would save more money feeding real meat off the shelf of the supermarket than you would that pet food and your vet will have the benefit of not going to the vet so often so um yeah i think they'll work as a stopgap these meatier products as they move away from carbs but um yeah, the, the nonsense behind carbohydrates is unbelievable. In fact, the science behind it is, is psychopathic. Like when you go to this huge book, The Small Animal Clinical Nutrition, which the vets use implicitly in college as their kind of cornerstone, written by Colgate Palmolive, who own Hill's Pet Food, which doesn't seem to deter any vets from reading it. So, you know, it's one view. It's, not, it's important to understand what they say. but And then you go to the section on canine carbohydrate requirements, and there's a paragraph on it. This is a 1,300-page manual, thousands of references, and on the biggest ingredient this animal eats, 60% of his diet for life, they afforded a paragraph and they used three or four studies from 50 years ago. And it's just this may be useful, carbs may be useful. It's like, so you have zero uh, long studies of, of, of how suitable this might be for the dog. And that's that was really one of the first things that I looked at. I said, oh, I thought I was going to find lots of really, I thought it was going to be hard to tease apart the wheat from the chaff, but actually, there's just no science there. So your vet won't actually present you with a study that supports the stance. It's just well, the science is done, you know?
0: And, and you know what? To me, I'm a type of person, and I know lots of holistic vets that are this way. If I have been using and doing something for the past six years and watched, and I haven't been to a vet in six years because I haven't had any issues, because I'm supporting my dog's gut health and immune system and not putting toxins in them, Yeah, there's nothing that you can say to me. Yeah. That's going to tell me otherwise. I don't care what your science says. I'm here. I have a rescue farm. I have 13 dogs, this many chickens, geese, pigs. All of them are eating real food, yeah. not being pharmaceuticals. Nobody has a weird rash. Nobody's pooping blood. No, yeah. But guess what? That's not how my life was You know, 15 years ago with my first dog when I did everything my conventional vet did.
1: Yeah, exactly. I
0: also think that there's this, the, I, I can't get it. Like it's The information's out there. Now. So there's no denying it. And I don't know. I think there's also this this thing with conventional vets that have been practicing for a long time that don't want to admit what they were doing was not right. Yeah. Or that something could be better, which drives me crazy. Yeah. Um, so us pet parents really need to keep that in mind. I have to take a short break, but when we come back, I'd love to start talking about and I know I, I've already heard you talk about these items about how ridiculous it is of what when our dog is sick what the vet is telling them to, to do, you know, if it's cancer or pancreatitis or diabetes or what, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, So when we come back, we'll talk about that. We'll be right back.
1: If you're like us, your pets are part of the family. That's why at CBD dog health. We created a line of human grade full spectrum hemp products tailored specifically to your furry friends needs, whether they're suffering from fear of fireworks arthritis from old age, or even seizures and cancer, research shows that a high-quality CBD oil can make a big difference for them. Enter coupon code RADIO at CBDDogHealth.com for 15% off your first order. That's R-A-D-I-O. CBD Dog Health. Healing Naturally.
0: All right, we are back with Dr. Connor Brady, the author of what I think is the must-have book for pet parents who are really into this. From now on, if you ask me how to feed your dog, I'm just gonna tell you to read this book or at least skip to the last chapter and (laughs) read that chapter because I even know that the feeding... forever dog book just yeah. came out and yeah. everybody was hoping it would just be really easy telling them exactly what to do. And it's funny because I took the book and I went to all my holistic vets and I said, everybody in the United States is going to be looking for vets who are going to be implementing this. And there aren't any, you're it, yeah. you guys yeah. are it. Yeah. So they're going to be knocking down your doors. They're going to be, I'm trying to help holistic vets get on telemedicine to yeah. talk to these people. Yeah. We do consults with our chief vet, Dr. Zach, and we have a board of advisors, also Dr. Sarah Urban, and we spend probably like you do the entire time giving a second opinion or asking why did they prescribe that?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that pet parent doesn't know. Just like our health, you have to take control of it. You have to take control of your pet's health. Your vet doesn't know everything. Your vet is supposed to be working with you. When I'm in my store and someone comes in and their dog has all kinds of issues, pancreatitis I hear all the time, and yeah. this is what always kills me, is that they say, my vet says they have to have a low-protein diet so they mm. can't eat raw. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's criminal that when we have so much evidence to the contrary, now one of the stronger health that issues that doesn't even to talk make about, sense. Common yeah. sense.
0: It doesn't yeah. even make. Let's use common sense. Don't trust what they're saying. They weren't trained in this. They're not nutritionists. Yeah, you are.
1: Yeah, very hard for a pet owner though to say something like that. Like when you're particularly with pancreatitis, it's supposed to be like a gunshot uh, in the guts. It's, it's agony, and uh, two thirds of healthy cats and dogs on the table when they're being uh, put to sleep they are suffering some form of pancreatitis, like it's normal that the pancreas is just rotting away like this. Mm-hmm. So we now know, thanks to lots of studies from 2014 up to 2017, that while the vet might say, did you give him a bit of sausage? Did you give him the fat off your steak? And blame, turn the blame on you. Just like obesity is your problem. you Have you been overfeeding him? Have you been loving him too much? You know, so you've just been feeding too much of this high-octane fat-inducing compound. So uh, with pancreatitis, we now know that the pancreas should have been able for a little bit of sausage or fat off a steak this animal loves to eat fat of course it does the problem has been high carbohydrate diets we now know from studies of humans and now dogs thanks to mark roberts and a few others that the more carbohydrates you feed the more the body goes oh happily i'll happily burn carbohydrates they're a nice fast energy so they the body burns carbohydrates and it takes its eye off burning fat. So rather paradoxically, fat increases in the blood. The vet has a look at the animal, sees fat building in the blood, and goes, Stop feeding fat, feed more carbohydrates, and boom, you've got your you've got your acute pancreatitis episode. And then the dog never recovers because the vet always keeps them on high carbohydrate diets. So we've sent this around to numerous veterinary organizations now. High carbohydrate diets for dogs with pancreatitis is a sin. We now know this, These the studies are here. Why isn't this being disseminated through veterinary colleges? This is going to save a huge amount of dogs a lot of pain. And it's the same with cancer. Cancer needs carbohydrates, it needs insulin to grow. That's how we find cancer in the body. We make somebody drink a radioactive cola and then you track where the cola goes and the tumours light up like Christmas trees. It's called a PET scan. But this is what tumours do, sugar spikes insulin and insulin is a growth hormone and so that's what the tumour wants. So it has all these receptors around it. So we know from studies of dogs that the less carbohydrates you feed them, the less if cancer grows so we know you've got to get rid of the carbohydrates sugar and carbs gone in a cancer patient you know instantly particularly in an animal with no metabolic needed carbohydrates that's the second thing we've been attacking the, the veterinary industries they don't even respond to the email we'll give you the free lecture we've got all the specialists i'm working with the raw feeding veterinary society we've got some heavyweights here that are going to come in and there's just no response so i find that particularly annoying not annoying i find it um and it's sad. Uh, it really, really angers me. I'm not going to let that go. Like, it's like the answer is just so obvious. It's not like a, a debate. It's like, no, no, we have the studies. We know this is the same from humans. And uh, it's odious that that industry does not budge on those sort of things. And those dogs suffering because of it. And pet owners feeding yep, and the they're product. Coming,
0: and they're, the dog is two years old.
1: Yeah. You know? So, in,
0: and, they're, and then on top of that, they're coming to me thinking that they're going to be able to put CBD in its mouth and fix everything. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like... Yeah, We've never been able to say CBD is going to fix it without you fixing that gut in yeah. the immune system Yeah, first. So I don't know if you know this. I have a Doberman who has osteosarcoma. Okay. Diet, she's on her, we're on 17 months from her diagnosis. I've done nothing conventional. I've yeah. only done ketogenic diet, a shitload of turkey tail mushroom. <laughs> yeah. Medicinal yeah. mushrooms and yeah. a shitload of full-spectrum hemp extract. And I do a marijuana extract at night Ooh. also. Okay, cool. 10 milligrams. Right. So people who tell me that THC kills a dog. I was hmm. just
1: going to ask. So how much THC would the dog be getting? And does it have a noticeable effect on him?
0: Uh, yeah. So she gets, I give her 10 milligrams. I started with eight milligrams at night of RSO or full extract of cannabis oil with a lot of THC in it from the medical dispensary here in Florida, where I live. Okay. So I give her that at night. So at first, she peed the bed every night. And then I remember that CBD dampens the effects of THC. So I went ahead and gave her a 42 milligrams of full-spectrum hemp extract with the THC, and she doesn't pee anymore. Wow. So that was awesome. But she hardly gets high now.
1: No way. So she she did get high initially.
0: Initially, she got super high, which you know, that's why we're giving it to him at bedtime so she yeah. can just sleep it off. And in the yeah. morning, maybe a little bit of a, ris- uh, you know, a little bit of her being going out and sitting <laughs> in over. the sun and <laughs> yeah. have, feeling really good. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so it's just like people saying that to us, you can't tell us anymore that raw is going to kill him. You can't tell me the THC is going to kill him. You can't tell me that they're going to overdose on full spectrum hemp extract when I give yeah. her 80 milligrams of it. Well, yeah. 120 milligrams of it every single day. And, Anyway, on her, at 15 months, I took her to get her checkup, and we have no metastasis. Oh, that's nuts. So I have a team of vets just standing there. I Of course, they're holistic, so they um, already believe in raw feeding, but nobody gets to see yeah. what it really does. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So we're breaking records, Yeah. and
0: I haven't done a single conventional thing. She yeah. still has her leg. Yeah. get the tumors still growing yeah but what osteosarcoma does as you know is spreads and kills the dogs yeah, yeah I was told she'd be she'd be dead in four months yeah
1: yeah it's amazing So
0: these are the types of things that I'm gonna take what you've done and I'm gonna with the guide dogs and I'm gonna do it here on my rescue and go got rid of this did yeah. that extended life got rid of this cancer got rid of yeah. this cancer got rid of this cancer and every time I do it listeners, I'm doing it with a raw fresh diet yeah and the help of real plant medicine or adaptogenic medicine. Yeah. And to me, that's a changer. So when I have someone who has a dog with disease and they're being told to, and of course they are people understand that because our vets weren't taught about diet and nutrition, these big companies came in and said, this is what you, you don't have to worry about that. We have figured it out and based it on science. If your dog has pancreatitis, you feed them this science diet for pancreatitis. Yeah. And it's, Non-food.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Even the science behind those studies, they're called unfalsifiable comparisons. So when you want to increase the amount of science that you have supporting your products, you will produce a lot of these nonsense studies, which you can get published because most of them own their own journals. So they um, they had an unfalsifiable comparison is let's take the skin product, okay, a product called Dermal Care, they'll put some name on it. What they do is they get their standard crap food and fed to 10 dogs, and then they get their standard crap food fed to another 10 dogs, but in the second group they put in a drop of cod liver oil, or some form of fish oil to these dogs, and uh, these dogs would have some form of atopic dermatitis so they're itchy dogs fed standard crap or itchy dogs fed standard crap with a drop of fish oil and they find that after a month the dogs fed the standard crap with a drop of fish oil itch less well now this is magic because now they can wrap this product up as a dermal care product they can slap a prescription on it even though the news agent can sell it down the road and it has no medicinal qualities whatsoever so it should be illegal hence they're in court now again for the second time about it it won't matter they'll bat that off Uh, And so they wrapped this up as a science diet. And your vet sees that this has been scientifically proven to reduce itch. And it has been scientifically proven to reduce itch. So therefore, science says this is the product. Which is like me bringing out M&Ms with, you know, a bit of vitamin B complex in it. And we kind of laugh about this vitamin donuts, which did exist in the 50s and oh, we yeah. laugh we laugh at that but we have vitamin drinks now which are just soft drinks with a bit of vitamin in it and we mm-hmm. kind of this isn't good and we buy breakfast cereal that's been fortified with iron and B-complex as if now it's good for your kids well it's, it's ever so slightly less bad for your kids but it's still a poisonous start to the day so like we look at these products in the 50s and go yeah it's, like how did do doctors ever recommend that vitamin donuts of course that's silly but we feed these breakfast cereals and now pet foods with this picture of a molecule on the front of it and the science we Behind it is disgusting, and yet nobody ever. We looked know at that better, science. you know. We you know, know better. Yeah, but as consumers, we fall for it. Like you know, as consumers, fall for it. It's not, I don't blame the consumers. They, they, you fall for it. You're paying this person for their advice, and generally, the vets do have your pets interest at heart they believe what they're saying is correct comes back to a point you said just before the break there and uh you said like how do they not come to the realization that this is wrong how do they block the truth that it's called cognitive dissonance and there is a brilliant book for listeners to pick up this guy's called syed s-y-e-d and he wrote a book called bounce which is just a phenomenal insight into sports psychology but He does lots of studies of kids and stuff and talks about how top tennis players, golfers, Tiger Woods, where they all came from. He's the guy that coined the 10,000 hours makes you an expert. You know, they're not born, they're made. Really interesting guy. But his second book is Black Box Thinking. And that... Oh. Compares uh, pilots and when they make a mistake to the medical sector when they make a mistake, and he explains why doctors, via cognitive dissonance, can't face their mistakes. It's it, they're just parked. They're they're shunned. They're they're seen as idiotic if they make a mistake. It costs them their career. Whereas with pilots, when there's a mistake made, the whole industry sits down, analyzes us. You've got a black box. That information is available oh. to everyone. So in medicine, they don't learn from their mistakes; they make the same mistakes all the time. Drug side effects are not reported. Mistakes in hospitals are not reported. There are treating on cyst-
0: fixing, symptoms. Tri- symptoms. I was just
1: going to say, yeah. So none of that is 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 diagnosed properly. Is teased apart. There isn't anybody held to account. And there's just this godlike complex going. Well, I can't be wrong about this because I've got people's lives at risk. And so suddenly you get this ego coming into it, and suddenly it's just impossible for that doctor. So, while vets to conclude, while vets they're not they're not trying to harm your pet to selling this these junk products. They honestly believe that the couple of token lectures given to them by, you know, Ronald McDonald in college were legit and that they, they, right. they are backed by science. They trust the reps and the science that these guys are spewing out and, and they, they paid it. someone
0: a whole bunch of money to teach them that. Yeah,
1: crap. yeah. And so they 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 really think they're helping you, but uh, unfortunately, customers are being grossly misled and used. And that is the way of the world today with big pharma. Yeah. And, uh, and crap food that's the two things they're a perfect marriage because they produce patients and patients are valuable so you'll never get a solution to the diabetes scourge that's laying out Americans left right and centre when actually it's a very simple cure to obesity and diabetes people could fix that with a stroke of a pen they could just jack up the price of sugar eliminate it from kids foods they could do things with the stroke of a pen but it'll never be done because diabetes is a highly profitable and obesity and heart disease that comes from and it and cancer,
0: cancer. Ooh, yeah, so much absolutely. Money so
1: it. we make lots of money Uh, fixing the symptoms when you get cancer dogs are 10 times more likely to get cancer than humans they can't even light their own cigarettes and yet they can't seem to fix it you know all the money into cancer research but cancer is still growing in the population isn't that strange they just can't seem to get that right and any products like CBD that show any potential in cancer they go behind the counter in Ireland anyway um, we can't Same buy here. that stuff yeah it's just a Oh, we
0: do well not uh, not anymore now we've uh we fought but we still have you know at, once you get it legalized and and the the right hands of, you know, being distributed to the right people, there's going to be the bad players who are make cause it's, uh, it's not regulated like the food yeah. industry, pet food industry yeah, is. Yeah, so people, the yeah. bad players are going to come out and put anything in that bag cause they're just doing it for profit. Of course. Um, we do, we're taking questions from our listeners now. So yeah. we have a great question and this is a question that along with it's too expensive, you know, to feed my dog, it's raw or fresh, or um, I don't have the time It's too time consuming. This is another complaint I get. So I love this question because I can't wait for you to answer it and us talk about it. So let's take that question. Hi, my name is Jamie. I live in St. Louis. I've been trying to switch my dog over to a raw diet because I've been listening to your show for a while and and think that, you know, it's a great benefit for my dog, but I can't get him to eat it. Um, He's was on just regular kill um, So I was just wondering if you had any tips or tricks to help incorporate the raw in his diet. I appreciate any advice. Thanks. Have a great day. Okay, before you talk, I'm going to say, I want you guys to imagine yourself as a child or if you do have children, giving them Fruit Loops for breakfast every morning. And then taking those Fruit Loops away and making a healthy I don't know, scrambled eggs with some spinach and mushrooms in it. And I want you to tell me if your kid is going to be okay with that. And also realize that the shit they put on the dog food, they have to now make your dog want it and eat it again. So they literally are putting stuff on the food to make your dog, which I, I you know, this will never be proven, addicted to it. Can't no longer like the taste of real food. We've all been through this. We've yeah. all weaned ourselves off Coca-Cola or, you know, sweets and been like, oh my God, yeah, I miss I will it kill so much. Somebody.
1: I will kill somebody. I'm going to kill somebody if yeah. I don't. So yeah.
0: I am guessing the same thing's going to happen with a dog. But the good thing about a dog is a dog is not going to starve itself. Right? Yep. So I'm going to hand this over to you and I want you to answer this question.
1: Yeah so like you you're spot on there with with the start of that there is taste enhancers in pet food they're called MRPs Maillard reaction particles and they're, they're actually pumped into supermarkets. They're in all our, they're in a lot of our foods and it increases your want for that food. So there's that. But there's also seven or eight different types of salt uh, at a minimum 1% salt, the same salt content as, as uh, salted peanuts. Without the salt, the pets don't eat it. So cats particularly get crazy addicted to these compounds. And like you said, they're just bloody addictive. It's hard to get off that stuff. Uh, also, you get a shift in gut flora from eating high carbohydrate foods. So you'll get bacterial communities that are calling out out for the food you've been feeding them. You've digestively conditioned your dog to this animal. So new studies of of gut flora now show that you can actually take the gut flora from sugar-addicted people, put them in someone else, and they become sugar-addicted. People think of that. You've got, yeah, they think you've got a sweet tooth. The opposite
0: of a fecal transplant. Yeah,
1: absolutely. The nasty part of it. You can take out gut flora from obese people and put them into skinny people and make them fat as well. They've done that with rats and rabbits and all sorts. But um, now they're thinking that it's not that you've a sweet tooth. I must get some. It's the fact you've got gut flora saying "Get get sugar, get sugar, get sugar, get sugar. Next thing you know, you've bought some an ice cream and you're eating it you go no oh, and you get that little chemical hit good boy uh, uh, you know you've got your you've done right and so the next time that voice comes it's get sugar get sugar get sugar suddenly you're chasing the kid down the street to get the chocolate bar out of his hand and you feed it so you're actually feeding a community that's calling for it so you actually get pets crazy addicted to mrps the high salt content and like you said eating sugary crap every morning becomes very addictive so here's the, some solutions Cats are another animal altogether. So everything I say, just multiply it by right. 10 for cats.
0: Remember, cats will starve themselves. So it's we're not talking cats right now. We're just yeah. talking about a dog who's not eating the fresh raw food that she's yeah. putting in front of him.
1: I, I would I would start off slowly. I would say every dog on the planet has had some form of beef or chicken at some stage because they're the flavored treats you give them and they're usually cooked and, you know, sometimes there is actually some chicken or beef in that treat and some of us are now moving towards more natural treats which are even more meat. So, and even they've had scraps off your plate at some stage. So beef and chicken. Let's just target them. I would get some beef mince, okay? And I would make a flat patty out of it, okay? So I'd just get the beef mince and flatten it like that and then I'd pop it on the pan. Very bold, but who cares? You put it on the pan, And you give it a light cook in each side because even vegetarians can barely say no to cooked beef mince. It's just delicious. And you cook us till it browns a little bit. That browning is a Maillard reaction particle. That's the smell of a barbecue, those black lines. That smell is the stuff they put in the pet food. So you, you brown it each side and you even sprinkle it with some good quality salt. Very naughty. But who cares? You're only doing this as a little stopgap to get your dog onto raw. In fact, dogs on raw should be getting good quality salt in their diet because it's so nutritious. Not the refined crap that we get in most restaurants, but the actual rocky stuff with a pink salt or Himalayan rock salt, whatever you eat over there. Um, So that's very nutritious. A little bit of that is is great. So I would cook the burger a bit and I would sprinkle it with a bit of salt. And then over time, you cook it less and sprinkle less salt on it until eventually after seven or eight days, you're given a virtually raw beef patty. And sometimes you don't even just present a neat on a plate because we have a lot of studies now of dogs and rats and cats and humans that The first five months of life are really important. So if you feed a dog kibble in the first five months of life, he'll eat kibble for the rest of his life. If you feed him vegetarian food, he'll only eat vegetarian food. If you feed him meat and bone, he won't eat vegetables. So you have these YouTube cats of videos trying to eat a piece of broccoli. That's just ridiculous. Cats don't eat broccoli. But if you give it to them young, they will. So... You need to move the animal over slowly because this is a novel protein for him. He's never seen it before. He's already told you he doesn't like it. So there's a behavioural thing saying, I told you I don't like this. So I'd get a little bit of cooked salty burger meat and I'd mix it into his kibble. No animal on the planet can say no to that. Or chicken if chicken's his favourite or duck or fish or a tin of salmon, whatever. And I would slowly build a dose of cooked, salted beef mince. I mean, there, nobody can say no to that. And over time then, as the beef addition grows, it's like, I'm going to start cooking that less until you're eating slightly more raw and ease him onto it until he's calling for that meat. And then he's eating a meaty bone and other little implements. And then suddenly it's like, I'm ready to make a leap to raw dog food. Some dogs can can be picky, but it's less common, you know. But, they, but I the good thing, thing about a
0: dog is that it's going to eat eventually. Yeah. So, uh, Raw, I don't make my own dog's food. I go to the, my few trusted brands because um, yeah. I have so many. But, you know, it is definitely, you know, when you're transitioning them, some immediately are like, what is this? Yeah, And eat it like yeah. crazy, which is yeah. what most do. Most, of course, I get the smaller little designer dogs who get pickier. I don't like
1: it. I don't like right. it. Yeah. And
0: a lot of times, so then if, if if they don't like raw, let's try a freeze dried or a dehydrated yeah. or something else a little different or cook it a little bit. There's even lightly cooked versions now. Yeah. Um, yep. So usually it might be a texture type of thing, um, but they will eventually eat it. Or maybe they don't like chicken or yeah. beef. Or they beef. prefer yeah, rabbit exactly. or turkey or something yeah. else or fish. Yeah. But yeah, I've never seen a dog refuse a sardine. Yeah. So, you know, things like that or eggs. Yeah. You know, things like that. These are real food that are real nutritional. So, I love your advice and keep on it because if you can get your dog to transition over to a raw fresh diet, you're not going to be having the issues that you're probably suffering from and you're not going to be making those trips to the vet that Uh, the only thing that they're going to prescribe is going to make everything worse and not better. And you're going to wreck your dog's gut. So this is the best thing you can do. And where can we get more information on your book and you and follow you? I know you have a wonderful website. I know we can get your dogs, Feeding Dogs by Dr. Connor Brady on Amazon. Yeah. So where can we find more information for those of you who want to follow you? You did mention a podcast. I'd love to tune in on yeah, that too.
1: We're doing, a, we're doing a few things. We have a new website coming on, on dogsfirst.ie. going to keep it .ie. I was going to make it.com because 70% of my traffic now is from U.S., but uh-huh. uh, we're just going to keep it .ie, .ie, which is our... Anyway, dogsfirst.ie. There's a new website coming to that in two weeks. And I'm putting up what I used to make quite a good career out of, out of traveling and doing seminars. So now I'm going to upload those seminars as webinars onto awesome. my website. Yeah, so awesome. that's, that's definitely a good idea. But uh, I do this podcast called Raw Pet Medics with uh, Nick Thompson and Brendan Clark, two top vets over here in the UK. And the three of us get on on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock GMT uh, but the the all the uh, episodes are up there on Facebook for people to see so we get on each week and we talk about a certain topic you know so we've been going a whole year now and uh, it's going strength to strength so I love that so raw pet medics my Facebook page is dogs first Ireland so if you enjoy hearing me rant about different topics now and again and a bit of funny stuff I am very um kind of like you I think Angela I I will say what I what I feel and uh, I sometimes it's uh, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but I'm not going to try and speak in a I don't know, I I'm just myself on Facebook so
0: You know what you know.
1: Yeah. You don't yeah. need to
0: prove yourself anymore.
1: Yeah, and a bit of fun. People take it too seriously sometimes. It's like Jesus, would you just you know, get, get over yourself and be nasty to people and so very little that is tolerated on the page. But look, look, it should be a bit of fun. So if you want to check me out on Facebook, it's Dogs First on Facebook. But the website's going to be, its everything will be on that soon. I'm going to move the podcast onto that soon. and Yeah. so Awesome. Uh, yeah.
0: And I have one other question. Uh, you have a cocker spaniel, correct?
1: I do. Yeah, I've inherited them. My God. I've never had a spaniel before. Oh, my God. I know. God. I can't
0: believe you have a cocker spaniel. I n- oh. would have never guessed it. That no, no. That's when we see a cocker spaniel come into our groom shop, we're like, ugh. Oh, oh he's insane wants he's the
1: insane <laughs> and like I'm a guide dog trainer so it's like you know I I get this dog and honestly God only a, a mother could love him and I said I'll take him if whatever's wrong I'll take him no problem I'm a dog trainer and I've had him about five or six years and I'm not messing. Once a week, my wife says, we've got to get a dog trainer. It's like, I am a dog trainer. <laughs> and I'm like, bloody hell. I admire his spirit. And I try to explain to people that like, you know, he just doesn't listen to me. He's like, he's just wound up all the time. He's on the go. And they said, but that's because that's you. You're like that. And I'm like, I am not like that. And I went around <laughs> my whole life saying to people, when you see a stressy dog, it's a stressy owner. And, uh, and then suddenly I've got this dog. And I said, but my dog's annoying. They're like, you're annoying. And so a Is lot that- of- Funny. realizations a lot of realizations together i i love him i love him i admire them.
0: what's your De cocker spaniel's name dudley if i gave dudley the microphone what yeah. would he tell me about you
1: uh D- dudley would instantly tell people that he enjoys the fact that i am absolutely no purist and as my wife always says if only they could see you now so as much <laughs> as i hate admitting this live on air i am absolutely no purist like if i was eating some junk food i was having a couple of crisps we call them crisps you call them Uh, potato chips potato chips you know I'm throwing one or two of them to the dog life is too short his life is too short he's right at my feet now he rolled in poo this morning again and you know what I mean? Just the fact he even rolls and poo. So like I let him lick, when I'm finished eating a bit of ice cream, I would let him lick the ice cream stick. I let him absolutely. do all that. And I just don't give a damn. If people don't like it, well then off you go to some purest page. But like, you know, so he would definitely say that. So he is absolutely so, so attached to me because I generally feed him and do all that sort of stuff. But I think he would probably tell tales on me. And uh, he would say, mm, look at you on Friday night with your few beers. Mm, that, you know, so... <laughs> He just has that attitude (laughs) about A little
0: pair of spectacles go. hmm,
1: okay. I haven't taken those. uh, Good
0: thing they don't have like thumbs so they can like record us and stuff like that. But yeah, absolutely. I do the same thing too. Life is too short, but I have confidence that me giving my dog a lick of the ice cream or uh, mashed potatoes or something like that, I'm confident because I know I'm feeding them an awesome diet and their gut is going to be fine. And I know I feed myself, right? Take care of myself. So when I have ice cream, I'm not going to wreck everything yeah yeah so thank you for sharing that it has been such a pleasure thank you so much for coming on i can't wait to meet you in person one day yeah
1: we will absolutely absolutely as soon as i get myself and over to the u.s and do some form of a tour I actually went to florida on uh when was it a few years ago we did the florida keys not florida keys we went to miami and we went to disneyland and all that kind of stuff adored awesome. florida god i loved the clear water that kind of stuff it was cool well Next i'm right I'm near that. there that's where yeah. Susan
0: Thixton lives too. So oh, she's in Clearwater. We could make a, an event out of it and I would love to have you out at the oh, farm. i love
1: that. Soon, soon, please. I can't wait to see that.
0: Thank you, Connor.
1: Thanks for having me, Angela.
0: You bet. Take care. Thanks for listening. Make sure to rate, comment, subscribe and share with your friends. And if you want your questions answered live, make sure to call in to 252-377-4555. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and at AngelaArtolino.com. And remember, you can always sign up for a full holistic consultation at cbddoghealth.com consultations.
1: Introducing MycoDog, an award-winning line of medicinal mushroom extracts combined with adaptogens like ashwagandha, astragalus root, and bacopa monieri, made specifically for your pets. When it comes to mushrooms, sourcing really matters. Unlike other products on the market that are grown in China or elsewhere, the mushrooms in MycoDog tinctures are grown here in the United States to the highest quality standards. MycoDog offers three formulas designed to support senior dogs, as well as those suffering from dementia and canine cognitive disorder, breathing and respiratory issues, or autoimmune diseases and cancer. Use coupon code Podcast at MycoDog.com for 10% off these fantastic fungi.